This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. Do you get the quality sleep you need? Mattress Firm will find you the right bed for your best rest with their wide selection of quality mattresses at every price. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale. Sleep at night. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Elise Hugh. And all month, we're bringing you special music episodes from the It's Been a Minute vault. This week's musical guest is Sid, formerly known as Sid the Kid. She is a songwriter, producer, and lead singer of the band The Internet. She talked with our former host, Sam Sanders, back in 2018. Sid and her work are basically everywhere. She was featured in Drake's Nice For What video. A couple of her songs were on HBO's Insecure. And her group, The Internet, was nominated for a Grammy for their 2015 album, Ego Death. Sid first came to prominence in Odd Future, the Southern California hip-hop collective that birthed stars like people you've heard of. Frank Ocean. Earl Sweatshirt. And the leader of Odd Future, Tyler the Creator. I said, okay, 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 do get my In Odd Future's heyday, the group, and especially Tyler, the creator, caught criticism for what some people thought were sexist and homophobic lyrics. And at the middle of it all was Sid. They weren't her lyrics, but she was the only female member of the group. There was media speculation about her own sexuality. And she talks with Sam about how she navigated all that and also discussed the Internet's 2018 album, Hive Mind. Okay, just a warning, we will discuss a vulgar word or two without bleeping it later in this conversation. And here are Sam Sanders and Sid. You seem very much like a West L.A. person. I'm a, I'm from Midtown. Where about? Like uh, Crenshaw and Venice. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was saying that because so much of the new album gives me this, like, kind of close-to-the-beach vibe. I get that. It's a vibey, flowery, <laughs> kind of breezy. It's in no hurry. Yeah. It's in no rush. Yeah. That's L.A. for sure. Right? I like yeah, that. I was talking to somebody about it last night. They were saying they love New York because basically there's always something to do. And I was like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, she's, she said, like, in L.A., I just feel like I could just sleep all day. Yeah. Like, this song is not in a hurry. <laughs> it's it's not. just, like, vibe. Like, what is the vibe? Describe that vibe. Well, it just, it gave me a, a reflective vibe. I can see that. You know? So reflecting on what? Reflecting on just where we are as a, as a human race. Do you think that's a good state right now? I think it's been worse. Um... And I think it's been better. <laughs> yeah. I, I just try to look at the bright side and, and what, what we can be grateful for. Yeah. And of course, there's always something for us to work on as human beings. What are you working on right now as a human being? Uh, being more present. Yeah. Because I've suffered from depression and anxiety in the past. Really? And I think it's all brought on by 
either focusing too much on the past or too much on the future. So lately I've been trying to really just enjoy the moment and not be in a rush. You made a bunch of music in your parents' house coming up? Yeah. When did you start making music? Uh, 14, I started just making beats. With what With what stuff? Uh, garage band. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just had like a little MacBook. So I started playing around on there and then slowly but surely I started buying like equipment to record other yeah. people. Yeah. Were you um, good at first? No. I don't think, I don't know if anybody's really good. There are probably beats that I would look back on and be like, wow, that was fire. But at the time, I thought it was trash. One song that I'm hearing all the time is Roll, in parentheses, Burbank Funk. Yeah. You know you're all over KSRW, right? Really? Oh, my goodness. They're playing this song every two hours. <laughs> what? That's awesome. And, like, this is one of the tracks on the album that's a little more up-tempo. Yeah. But it's still chill. Yeah. <laughs> which I like. We were feeling very, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Righteous that day. Really? <laughs> yeah. Explain this to me. Um, we made this instrumental in Burbank, hence the title. Yeah. Um... And it's Patrick pretty much made the whole thing. He gave, he came in with this drum loop that he had gotten from a folder that Steve gave him. And These then, are both guys in the group. Yeah. Okay. Patrick's the bass player. Steve's the guitar player. Uh huh. And so Patrick came in. He was like, "Man, I've had to have this bass line to this drum loop. It's been stuck in my head." And he played that, and we were like, "Yes." <laughs> didn't write the song, the lyrics, until we uh, rented this house in Agora Hills. So y'all are just making music all over the place. All over the place. I love that. Yeah, it was great. It was a good vibe. And just all living there for like a week and really? going to the store, getting groceries for a week. Chris will bake some chicken and Matt will make some pasta and we'll invite a couple of friends over and just live for a week. Honestly, for the first five days or something, we didn't make any music. Really? <laughs> we just played laser tag and, <laughs> and like, listened to music really loud, and, like, it was fire. So it seems like you all get along pretty well because you're holed up in these houses for weeks at a time. Y'all can just yeah. chill and vibe and eat no, and we, cook and be together. Yeah, we really, um, we're really friends in real life. I'm really grateful for that because yeah. throughout my whole childhood, I've, I've always been slightly an outcast in a lot of the circles that I have just found slightly. myself in. Yeah, just slightly, okay. like. Uh, I'm really shy. I was really shy, so I ate lunch by myself. Oh. But I played basketball. Okay. And so, like, I was at the basketball court every day with the boys. So the girls didn't really know me like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then uh, middle school, I started just sitting near like the black kids. Yeah, <laughs> just that was that's that's all I can really say yeah. to describe. And I started sitting around the black kids and then playing basketball still, so mm-hmm. I knew all the boys. Mm-hmm. But I was always really quiet, like nobody really knew me. Did you want to give off that vibe, or do you think external forces made you quiet? No, I I don't know. I think I'm just really shy. So there's five people in this group. Seems as if you are not shy around the other members of the group. Yeah. How did you get to that place with them? And how did you meet them if you're so Uh, shy? So I met Matt on MySpace. Whoa! (laughs) 2008. (laughs) Throwback. Yes, like 2007, 2008. Who hit up who? I hit him up. Um, Why? He had a group at the time called the Super Three. And um, so I reached out to him. I was a fan. And I uh, just said, hey, man, like, I really like your music. Your beats are sick. Like, I I wish I had a production partner, too, like, you know, because, like, my beats are cool, but there's always something I feel like is missing. Mm -hmm. He was like, eh, you don't need nobody, like. (laughs) You know, keep working on it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, a little while later, maybe like a year or two later, I became a part of Odd Future. And he was already a part of Odd Future when I oh, initially okay. hit him up. So you liked Odd Future as well? Yeah. Okay. I liked the music. It was different. Like yeah. the, the production. To have some type of knowledge, that is one perception. But knowing you own your opponent is a defeating bonus. I'm Zeus to a cronus. It, it taught me a lot about performing. I had never performed before until I started DJing for them. How old were you when you began to DJ for them? 18. How was it? It was stressful. Yeah? Because I didn't know what I was doing. Like I, <laughs> I started DJing two months before my first tour. Okay. And just, you know, they needed a DJ and they didn't trust anybody. So I would have otherwise just been at home. You're in this group, this collective Odd Future, and like a part of whatever that family is. Like, But were you more comfortable in that setting or were you still kind of outcast, kind of shy in the way that you were in school? Was it different um, for you? No, I was still still very shy and kind of outcast. I was good at outcasting myself just by huh. being so quiet. You know okay. what I mean? And you liked that? No, I didn't. I didn't I don't know how I feel about it now. Now I don't so much mind because I have good friends. <laughs> like, okay. You know, I'm an adult. I've got those friends that I've had for a long time. I've got enough friends. And they get it. Yeah. And and I got my family. Like we're good. But um growing up, no, nah, it was um it was more of a hindrance than anything. Being I think. quiet. Yeah, just being quiet, sometimes being too scared to speak up and ask for things. Um but I will say that that's the reason why I probably know how to do so many different things. Because you were quiet? Yeah, I was too scared to ask somebody else, how do I do this? So I would just go learn, teach myself. Coming up, more music from Sid and the Internet and how she's handled speculation about her sexuality. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 
On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. (laughs) Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. For the seventh year on the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity go way beyond the day's headlines. Because we know what's part of every person is part of every story. We're bringing that perspective with new episodes every week. Listen on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. There is this wonderful thing y'all do on the album where like these songs will kind of roll into other songs like, <laughs> right on the same track yeah and i like it there's this moment where next time becomes humble mm-hmm. i want to just play it so okay, listeners cool. can hear it so we're like in one song mm-hmm. i'm vibing i'm cool I'm cool. I'm like in the car with you. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh. The car turned right. <laughs> Where are we going? Yeah. And then before you know it, it's a different song on the same track. Yeah. What are you trying to do there? For one, I felt like. Both of these songs weren't strong enough to stand on their own. Huh. Let's just put two songs together, you okay. know? Why so maybe not? I'm reading too much into it. Well, that is kind of why Next Time came after Mood. Because on the end of Mood, I say, Baby, next time I'll bring you flowers. So then from there, it's like, okay, next time. Okay, we have a song called Next Time. Let's, uh, and there let's, you throw go. That, let's throw that next. I love it. Say, baby, don't hate me. Scratch that, you probably don't hate me. I probably drive myself crazy. My mind, the cloud is so lazy. But what you mean? Do you ever hear from folks who are like, here is a deep thing I got from your music, and you're like, no. Yeah, for sure. But What's like, the weirdest interpretation of your music that you've heard from a listener or a fan? Um, well, I don't think we get anything that's really too weird. I okay. think our music's pretty straightforward. Okay. But I think just the general consensus uh, over my career has been, um, at least with some people, that I'm like really doing this groundbreaking thing by singing songs about women. And that I'm, like, doing it on purpose, and I'm really not, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. You know? It's just kind of, like, where you're at. Yeah, I just, I, I, I date women, so 
I'm, I'm well, not going to write a song about yeah. a man. It just wouldn't be real. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and then there are going to be folks that are going to hear you say, I date women, and not be satisfied with that. Because <laughs> right. there have been times where What do you have... mean, date? Exactly. You don't love women? Like, like is there right. a label on you? Is there a label on this? <laughs> yeah. People are so, they want a label. What's your pronoun and all that? Do you do any of that stuff? No. Okay. I, I typically just call myself gay okay. or Sid. Matt Matt <laughs> told me this morning, he was like, you're not even gay, you're just Sid. So, like, it doesn't even matter. And I was like, cool, that, that's, yeah. that works for me. Yeah. Well, because there is a certain kind of, the culture, it seems, needs for people that they that are queer, however you define it, to, mm-hmm. to, to define it. What is your pronoun? What is, is it pansexual? Is it bi? Right. Is it ambiguous? This, and, you, and you and a lot of other folks in Odd Future have been like, F a label. Mm-hmm. I like what I like. And if I tell you a bit about it, you'll know. And if I don't, you won't. Yeah. Do you get pushback from, I don't know, people in the LGBTQ community over that approach? Uh, in the beginning, I did. Um, because, you know, Tyler was thought to be homophobic <laughs> like well, this, the group was thought to be homophobic yeah. and people were always questioning how i could be a part of such a group you know i, I was reading because you've talked about this before the odd future and the lyrics and how people were dealing with all that but you said before that quote people choose what to get offended by uh why do you think people chose to get offended by some of the lyrics that tyler was spitting with odd future um, because, you know, a lot of people have experienced, um, hate by way of these words. You know what I mean? Have you? Like, uh, no. <laughs> I've steered clear to, you know, How? like I've never, no one's ever come, yelled, yelled, you faggot at me or anything like that. No, I've, I've been very lucky. I've gotten, st- I'm trying to think if I ever heard the F word. I've prob- I think I heard faggot. Yeah. I got stairs. You know, like, you know when you get the stairs. Yeah, yeah. And that's I- I've been it. very lucky because I think for one, um, a lot of people, when they see, a lot of people that ignorant to, to, to have, people who are ignorant enough to do that usually yeah. think I'm a dude. <laughs> How does that feel? Um... I don't mind it. Okay. It's only annoying when they try to tell me that I'm in the wrong restroom. <laughs> then then it's what like, do you do? I tell them to mind their business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. cool. You yeah. know, I get it. I'm not, I don't, I don't get mad unless they, they come at me a certain type of way. If it's somebody like, um, excuse me, you know, this is the, I say, yeah, I know. And then, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. But, <laughs> Um, for instance, recently I was on a ferry and I was in Word the two. restroom from um, London to Ireland. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the restroom and <clears throat> I come out the stall and washing my hands. Mind you, I've already left the stall and I'm washing my hands. You're done. I'm done. Like <laughs> this woman comes out of a stall. She says, oh, this is uh, the women's room. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm I'm a woman. Yeah. And... um. Like, as I'm leaving the restroom, I'm drying my hands, and I'm walking out. Another woman comes, is leaving the restroom, opens the door, and points at the sign. Oh, come on. And, like, like you can't read me. the sign. And I'm like, didn't you just hear me tell this other lady that I'm a woman? Like, mind your business. And it's okay. <laughs> like, I, like I said, like, I can't be mad at someone for making a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> like that, making an honest mistake. Yeah, yeah. But when it gets kind of 
nasty or that's not fun suspect then i then i'm gonna then i'm gonna talk you've said before in interviews that your mother wanted two girls she ended up with you and your brother taco Mm -hmm. and you say that that disappointed her that hurt my heart hearing you say that (laughs) you know i mean yeah for sure when when i was like around 18 yeah that's when i kind of started wearing more boys clothes and she didn't have a problem with me being gay at all. Really? But um, I think, and I'll let her speak for herself when I get home, <laughs> but I think that she had built this idea in her head of having two daughters in the future and going shopping with them yeah. and dressing them up in, in, in girls' clothes when yeah. they were younger and stuff, and I was never into that. I mean, now she accepts me for, for who I am. Like, she's like my biggest fan. Oh. Yeah. I love it. And she's the only one, I think, who's, like, truly honest with me, too. And I appreciate that because yeah. now, you know, yeah. sometimes it gets hard to, like, find somebody who's willing to hurt your feelings. To, to help you. Yeah, to help you. In a minute, Sid's thoughts on why there are so few women producing and mixing in hip-hop today. And the R&B singer she calls to mind. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day, we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity don't begin or end with the news cycle. That's because we know race and identity impact every person and influence every story. We're getting into all of it with new voices each week on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news. We take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. There are not a lot of women producing R&B or hip-hop or anything in that vein. Did you, like, in your production, in your work, how many times have you crossed paths with another woman, female producer? Oh, I know. I know a few. Okay. I know quite a few nowadays. Yeah. I run into more songwriters. Yeah. Uh, that are women. And then I know a couple of female engineers now, too. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to advocate for more of that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Why do you think there's been a lag to get women into the production engineering side, not so much the writing, singing side? Um, To be honest, I think a lot of it is interest just general interest i don't think there's as many women interested in that career path why do you think that is maybe it's maybe it's a nurturing thing you know how it is when you grow up not thinking that something is possible because you don't see it Mm -hmm. as something that's common Mm -hmm. so maybe there's that i know my mom wanted to be a producer 
Really? Yeah, so I didn't find that out till after I'd already started doing it, but huh. I always knew she loved music. And for her, you know, she's she was just like, yeah, it, it's a man's industry. And She would I, say that? Well, a man told her that. Like, when she was coming up and, like, she was sitting in on some mixing sessions, um, she told me that once one of my mentors, actually, he became one of my mentors for a little while later on, but he, she told me that one time he told her, like, this is a man's industry. Really? So, and I don't know if he said that to mean, like, you don't belong or just to say, look, there's mostly men in here. Yeah. Just a fact. Did that make you want to do this more? Um, No. The the driving force behind my desire to to make beats is just being able to take credit for for fire beats. I wanted to ask you about your influences because there are sometimes when I hear you sing and when I hear the songs where I am totally hearing and channeling one musician in particular. Uh, can we hit no? Baby, don't let me go, baby. <laughs> Aaliyah, you know. I get that a lot. Baby, don't, don't say no, babe. That sounds like Aaliyah. Everybody says that. That's crazy. <laughs> How do you feel hearing that? I'm flattered. I love Aaliyah's voice. Yeah? yeah? Were you into her growing up? Yeah. I got her greatest hit CD from the swap meet when I was a kid, <laughs> and it was it's amazing. Like, even her, um, just like even her stuff with Genuine, like Final Warning. Uh, yes, the static major, yeah. background yeah. arrangements, yeah. Well, and you can hear, so like, she's singing. Besides, I'm saying, Aaliyah, you're singing. <laughs> the thing that I like about you and Aaliyah is that like, there can be these moments where you're singing very delicately. But I can still hear that you're in total control of your voice. You know exactly what you're doing. There are some people where they sing a little down because they don't because they can't do more, but like you're doing this on purpose and I can hear it and as a per- I don't know, it just works for me. Thank I like you. It. It's interesting cuz like I'm I'm not definitely not the best singer. I I started late. Um, and I know a lot of singers who can only do one or the other like they can't they either can't use their falsetto or their head voice or they can't use their chest i'm better at the delicate stuff yeah you've talked before about like not wanting to be in the spotlight not wanting even to have like pictures taken of yourself sometimes i forget where it was but you said quote I think I see myself differently than most people see me. I think everybody, for the most part, struggles with how they see themselves versus how the world perceives them. Explain that. Um, you know how it is when someone posts a picture of yeah. you oh, yeah. and you hate it and you're like, why would you post this That's most me? pictures of myself. That's, that's me. Okay. So Why do you think that is the case? I think, like I said, I see myself, I see the perfect version of myself from another angle. I've never been one for attention. Like I'm not the type to to yell in public because I don't I don't uh, don't look at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. When I'm on stage, it's another story. Yeah. When I'm performing. Yeah. Um, You're a different I'm, person, kind of. Yeah. When I'm like sh- shooting a video or something, I 
I, I throw this other version of myself. It's still me. It's just a side that's, I don't know, I'm more comfortable with showing to people who care. Do you have a name for that person? Mm. You know, like a Sasha Fierce going on or something? Uh, I've I've been called Frisco, the star child. When you're on stage? Uh, or when you're at, like, Mostly just when I'm in my zone. This episode was originally produced by Kumari Devarajan and edited by Jordana Hochman. Additional production and editing by Barton Girdwood and Kitty Isley. All right, until Friday. Thanks for listening, y'all. I'm Elise Hugh. Talk soon. What does it sound like to record an album inside a jail? On the documentary podcast, Track Change, you'll hear four men make music inside Richmond City Jail and hear how they're trying to break free from a cycle of addiction and incarceration. Been so long since I've been free. Listen to Track Change from Narratively and VPM, part of the NPR Network. With more and more information coming at you all day, every day, it can be hard to know where to focus. The new Consider This newsletter from NPR can be that focus. Every weekday afternoon, we take one of the day's biggest stories and break it down in a simple, skimmable format so you can get a better grasp of one important topic and what it means for you in a couple of minutes. Sign up for free at npr.org slash consider this newsletter. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race don't start and stop with the news cycle. We know that race is always relevant, and we have new topics, new voices, and new stories for you every single week. Listen to the Code Switch podcast from NPR.